Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Teams podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Toby. What we'd like to talk about today is something that's really important for teamwork, and uh, we've titled it uh, Zero Ego Footprints in Teams. You like the title, Eric? Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, it's intriguing at the very least, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, business and ego are two things normally we see go together, and the same in sports uh, as well. So why would we be bringing up the subject of, uh, of ego in this context? So one of the things that happens in teams and it's very difficult for, for, for team members and those that are in some form of a hierarchy within an organization to get used to um, and even to get past is the use of I. I think this. I think that. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all are. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, um, and I suppose one of the things is not just about I think that, because to a certain extent, you, you, there is an I that thinks that, but it's more representative of the attachment to whatever comes out your mouth or to whatever you write on it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's that, that notion that if you're constantly saying, I mean, I, I guess the, the, way, the way to look at it is maybe through examples. You know, if you're in a meeting and someone starts saying, you know, uh, hey, so I've done this for today. Yeah, then, then there's that notion that, that that thing they did is theirs. It's something they brought to the table. And there's that, that, that notion that it's, you know, it's their baby. You can't touch it, right? Yeah. Um, well, that's bang, that's bang on right if you think about it. But it's also like you're in a, you're in a team meeting and a lot of, the, a lot of days uh, it's virtual now. Okay. So and you're problem solving or you're trying to do some creative thinking or you're working in a project team etc and here it could be a multidisciplinary team and and of course you want to look good right you want to be the best <laughs> yeah you know and and looking good and being the best means you're going to get promoted, means you're going to get more money, means, you know, you maybe bump out and get a, another job because you, you created this idea. Whereas, in fact, that ownership of that idea, uh, that um, uh, hanging on to it, actually is a negative emotion. Right? Okay. In it, it's a, sort of in this context of, uh, emotional intelligence it means your self-awareness here's the of this idea your self-control that is can you stand back from the idea and your empathy and social relationships your empathy with your colleagues in the room and your social relationship how you perceive them how they perceive you revolves around that use of the word i in your attachment it almost creates a no man zone, you know, no fly zone in there. This is mine, you know. I suppose one of the things that when when we're when we're doing our our simulations, when we're working with clients, is we see this quite often, particularly in the first phase 
of the simulation and even the pre-planning phase where uh, somebody becomes over-directive. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sort of a classic, yeah. Um, classic situation where someone sort of says, well, we, we have to have a manager, so I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to do it. They yeah. just sort of take charge of everything. And it's interesting because often what will happen is that that person is going to be the one to sort of, well, when we, we, we usually do a debrief at the end, right? And we sort of ask questions about, you know, who did what, what was your role? What do you think you did well and not well? And often this person is going to be the person to say, you know, you know well, yeah, I, I, so I did this and I did that. And everyone else is sort of using that notion of we as a team. I guess there's sort of a defensive thing where not being the person who took control, not owning the ideas and the, the actions is something that's seen as so negative that, that of course you have to run away from it and so you use we to include yourself. Whereas if mm. you did own it, you use I to say, to claim it mm. and to, to reinforce the notion that you're the one leading, right? No. I think there's something else to do. Remember when we, there's a cultural thing as well, you know, uh, and and in some cultures, hierarchy is very important and needs to be respected. So I remember when we, you know, uh, we were working with the German company, and this one guy who really drove his colleagues nuts was furious to remember that they didn't follow in this, yeah. his directions. These are my ideas, and I expect you to follow them. Yeah. And trying to get uh, this guy to understand uh, his impact on his colleagues and 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 how angry they were at being continuously treated uh, 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 sort of just followers yeah uh, and 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 while I'm, I'm saying Germany then it, it's a bit of a stereotype it is true but it's also uh, similar in France and similar in Spain, in, in Latin countries as well, where there's some form of um, uh, hierarchy built into society as well. Yeah. Uh, I think I also sort of vaguely remember that what ha one of the things that happened during that situation was that when the, when the, when the team sort of confronted him with the notion that his ideas didn't really, like, with technical information, right, uh, facts that, uh, that pointed to the fact that his ideas weren't really realistic or functional. Um, he also sort of kind of went, you know, not crazy, but he had a really hard time dealing with the fact that other people could, I guess, you know, dis disprove and, and, and disregard his ideas in any sort of way, right? Well, he, he, it, he, he took his bat and ball home with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He just didn't like getting feedback from his other team members. And, and uh, I guess that's uh, that where that really hard and strong emotional attachment comes in. Yeah. Where they, he, he really couldn't deal with it. He really couldn't accept that it it, it just didn't, what he was saying actually didn't make sense. Uh, it's very hard. If you've been formatted and trained in an education system and in a corporate system that promoting I is the only way that you're going to survive, to then suddenly be faced with a new model of uh, French comportement and, and behavior and soft yeah. skills, 
which really require revolution internally. You know, typically the, 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 the game is outside of you. Now, actually, the game is on, on, uh, on the other side, right? Um, the, 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 the game is internal. The game is, has a totally different set of reference points. Um, so you're, you're fighting with yourself instead of fighting against something, something you can see and touch. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a good, uh, a good way of putting it. I think for many people, emotional intelligence is, is very difficult to grasp. Some people think it's just about being nice instead of being horrible. Well, actually, that's not true. Emotional intelligence isn't about being nice because there may be times when uh, under the umbrella of emotional intelligence with colleagues, with uh, uh, team members, that you actually have to be direct, that you have to take sometimes a form of command and control depending on the context and the situation, uh, where um, giving orders within a certain context may be a priority because there's short-term timescales that you work to and you're setting direction. <clears throat> or you're challenging behaviours uh, 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 within uh, some context, right? I know okay. that sounds a bit, uh, a bit fake there, but, you know... Um, if somebody keeps losing their temper, right, then you can't keep being nice. You have okay, to, yeah. right? You have, yeah, yeah. You have to say, okay, that's enough, all right? Slap them all back right. to reality and then ask them the questions once they've calmed down, basically. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I'd use the word slap them back to reality, but there you go. No, but, uh, you know, right, the idea you know. of it, not the action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, um, um, skilled on awareness, which I know is not the subject of today's uh, podcast, but it skilled on awareness or skilled incompetence, right, is is born around the inability to deal with conflict. Emotional intelligence is about dealing with conflict, but it's not necessarily about minimizing conflict, which is mm -hmm. one way people think that it is, but it is actually being able to entertain constructive conflict so that you generate new solutions so that you generate new ideas so that you can entertain within a team you know five or six different viewpoints but because you're not attached to the viewpoint it doesn't result in um, afflictive and negative emotions people don't get upset now, I, I don't mean to use this term the, the, this word objective because it can be uh, misconstrued in terms of s scientific uh, perspectives and positioning what it just means is that you you you, you know you take a third party approach to to, to the idea you actually look so you at mean I you get everyone to sort of step back and look at it you know without 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 taking sides is that what you mean yeah if you think okay. about it, if you, if, because um, you take a step back from what? Take a step back from me owning something. It's not just okay. take a step back and I have a, I have a view. It's from no, no. where to what? Do you know what I mean? 
No, I, I, I guess I can get it. Like, to, you know, to relate it to 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 our our lived experience, we often constructively uh, fight about stuff when we're creating things and we're designing things. We disagree yep. in a very um, vocal manner. <laughs> and the chat. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and one of the things that I've noticed is the the point where we usually come together is the point where we're able to relate what's what what we're you know what our point of points of view are what our actions are to um, the general objective and say, okay, wait, because maybe, you know, the way we're thinking about this, does it respond to the, to, to the, the objective? Does it respond to the demand? You know, is, is it, isn't there actually a situation where we're both right? We're both talking about the same thing. We're just not understanding each other because we have different end goals in mind or different, different ways of understanding the data. And once we sort of take that that filter off of, of of context, things sort of mesh together. And often we're not in disagreement. No, right? I think that's a good way. I mean, you know, there's uh, there's a um, there's an old Xerox um, parable, an old Xerox story, was that you know a salesman and an engineer go to a car park and a car park's full. The engineer drives away because it says full on the outside salesman goes inside gets parked okay so what 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 is this describing well what's it it's actually describing the fact that that you know you can seek solutions right but that there may be different perspective sometimes uh, dev technical teams have a different approach to solving problems and understanding the impact of the, those problems. So for example, yeah. the sales team typically is focused on the business impact or the client in, in, in some context or another. And it may be working to a very tight time scale. So then you hear the dev team, you know, and say, okay, you know, you're working on this. Uh, uh, it's important for the client when it will be done. And the dev team turns around and said, it'll be done when it's done. And you're like, well, that doesn't really help me at all because I'm actually working on a 12-hour, <laughs> on a 12-hour yeah. situation, and I need to be able to communicate at least three times to the client that we're making some progress. So telling me it'll be done when it's done really doesn't help me. Doesn't yeah. focus on the idea of what I need to do. So this, this, um, this sort of silo thinking needs to come together to multidisciplinary thing it needs to be focused on well what's the workflow that we're involved in and what's the idea that we're working on not not the um, sitting back on my specialist field uh, and I know best and I'll let you know when it's done but recognizing that the other person um, is part of your team and has real needs in speaking to the client and you helping them understand information that they need, that they need to work on. So here means taking out the ego here. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's focusing on the, on the evidence of what's in front. Well, Toby, what I'm trying to say is that when I'm looking at the project that I'm working on, I think we're about 60% there in terms of understanding the the problem that we're working on Parameters. i see another f yeah right so you're looking at the evidence and you're being able to present it back rather than i'll let you know when it's going to be done 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think one of the things that we need to think about is um, having the capacity as individuals and, uh, and, and teams to be able to present ideas, to talk about ideas in such a way that if they're challenged, you're not hurt. Okay. Yeah. So many of, so much of our training um, uh, in our education system is to criticize. It's the first yeah. thing, right? So if I have an idea, yes, teacher, this is my idea. Do I, do I get, you know, 10 out of 10? Or yeah. is it a bad idea? So our only training of teamwork for many people is the, the, the group work they've learned from being in a classroom. They've never yeah. actually learned to be uh, part of a team. And those that do play uh, uh, in a team in football or in basketball don't transfer the skills across. I, I, I was about to say that because there are team environments, sports, etc. But one of the things is they're always culturally set in that sort of entertainment and, and, and sort of not serious box. That means that we never, like, we separate them in our brain from anything that's going to be you know, business-related or practical or necessary in life. And we, we there's sort of a, a, sh a rift between the two of this is for fun or for sport, for entertainment, whatever. Mm -hmm. This is for work. Yeah. Uh, it's like, and they, and they're for the so same thing. <laughs> no, no, you're right. And no, it's not even the same thing, but it's, you know, um, Josh Burson, you know, was uh, HR guru and um, soft skills. Um, specialist or promoter of soft skills in many ways mm -hmm. talks about the teamwork as an organizational sport that if you're going to learn how to run teams then the, you know you can go no further than looking at uh, Kobe Bryant and basketball you know yeah sure there's a lot of stars and a lot of egos in basketball and you know, some of the most highly overpaid players on the planet right okay Absolutely. Uh, with, with egos to match. But, well, if you actually listen to the interviews with Kobe Bryant and listen to the other players, the, the, there has to be a mutual respect between the players and an aligned goal where they support each other, where they help, help each other get past learning obstacles, where if, if, you're, if you're attached to mistakes... Right, or you're saying it's me, me, me all the time. Well, you're gonna lose, and there's no end of quotes on Google uh, coming from these players that give you signals to how they perceive the best way to work in a in a team is. And I think you should go and steal them, because yeah. you know I, I think the question is you have to ask yourself, uh, Eric, is why are we talking about this? Well, because what okay. we're saying is hierarchical organizations, we put hierarchical organizations with command and control and or policy deployment that comes from top to bottom, all right, are totally unsuited to the environment that we're living in now and going to be living in. And right? just to add a, a slight, um, to, to extend that a bit, I think we're not just talking about, you know, very strongly hierarchical, classical 
organizations. I think this also includes organizations that are, you know, somewhere in the middle, partly hierarchical, where, but where people have that hierarchical mindset, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. There, and think... lots of people think they're not hierarchical, but, you know, really they are in, yeah. in, in how they actually run things. Well, you can see it when they're in a meeting room. Who do they wait to speak? You know, who do they follow? You know, is it a is it a uh, uh, a meeting that uh, is truly transparent or is it political? Don't challenge the yeah. boss. You know, you, and you're looking. Well, everybody's looking f is for the non-verbal uh, signals in the face nod, which makes it very difficult when you're doing visio, when you're doing. Uh, um, you know, Zoom calls and the like, because it's very difficult to get the visual cues. So you're you're working off um, audio clues. So I I suppose I, one of the things to get people to understand is that as we as a, well, we we're trying to say you know what why are we doing this? Because highly complex, rapid moving environment depends on creative thinking and innovative solutions. And this comes down to what, what, what people are calling a, a multi-team strategy. You know, a team of teams, network of teams, really multi-team multi -team strategy, where decision-making is now being deployed from the upper part of the organization to other parts of the organization, where scope for the making those decisions has uh, uh, been widened because of the need for um, to, to move at speed, teams are being empowered. So therefore, the key behavioral aspect of the teams has to be around soft skills, has to be around collaboration, has to be around setting goals, has to be around problem solving, has to be around execution and taking risks. So there's nothing wrong with hierarchy if unless hierarchy becomes the problem in, in, in and of itself. All right. Yeah. If I'm the boss, my ideas are the ideas everybody will function on, and I set the direction. Well, there is going to be none of the above the the the, the that we just talked about. Yeah. So so this is this is the soft skills revolution that we're talking about. So 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 in a sense, if I understand correctly, the, the notion of this this notion is about. You know, if you're in a position of power, you know, if you're the person giving the directions, you should specifically try to avoid being prescriptive. Is that yeah. the case? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Basically trying to remove that risk of owning an idea entirely, if, po if possible. And, and not just the person in power, but the person in power has to set the context and the atmosphere. He or she... They, they, they need to be focused on in their behaviors uh, 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 to facilitate, to encourage, to grow the people around them, to have patience and endurance, and to a certain extent, kindness as people are moving, uh, moving through the stages of taking responsibility. Probably because they've never been allowed to take these stages of responsibility because they normally get killed for doing it. I mean, killed in inverted commas, you know. So one of the things to think about as we do when we address in our simulation is, okay, now we've, we've created a narrative and a story of, of uh, 
why ownership of ideas is de is detrimental to the health of your organization one of the ways that you can start to look at this is you need to start training as a team and when we okay. mean to, and that's why we talk about taking a sports team because sports team doesn't train once a year which is what a business team might yeah. do yeah. you know you know might do a two-day outing and we call that teamwork training and it's not you know okay. And that's if you're lucky, because then you, know, you might just be doing team building and that's the end of it. Right. And team building is esprit de corps. It's just, you know, having a two-day jolly, etc. This is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is regular teamwork training focused on the techniques of problem solving, of communication, of collaboration. And one of the ways to have an immediate benefit in the way that your team communicates and collaborates. And it's not just to do with innovation, but to do with problem solving. But most importantly, it's to take the ego out of the conversation, is to use Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hats, which I'm a great fan of, all right, really am. Um, and, and that doesn't, you know, as a debutante, as a beginner, sure, you're going to say, I'm speaking from Red Hat. This is yeah. what I feel. I'm speaking from blue hat. This is a process question. That's, you know, and people become um, quite critical of this notion of wearing hats, but that's just your beginning stage. Later on, uh, when you're really used to it and you, you, you um, are really familiar with the different angles within the six thinking hats, particularly as, a, as an individual and as a team, then it actually goes to another another level of skill which we've we, we, you know we, we, we've we've used before yeah for people who might not be very familiar with the six thinking hats you think you could sort of take us through them yeah and give give a brief idea of what, what we're talking about and what, what this you know what this technique is yeah well de bono created uh, uh this um and it follows in um um, good tradition of his work, you know, uh, right and wrong, you know, I'm right and wrong. And he, he came up with these six perspectives. You wear a hat, you wear a perspective. You wear a hat, you talk through the, the color of the hat. So he gave each hat a specific color and he associated with them uh, a particular characteristic. So, for example, what it enabled you to do was to be um, uh, everybody to be aligned and aware of where the content was coming from, but not attached to that content. So a lot of people use the red hat, unknowingly use the red hat, where they say, I feel this is something. But actually, a lot of the team members give that feeling which is coming from somebody higher in the hierarchy a weight of evidence that it's reality rather than it's just an assumption or it's just an opinion so when you have red hat and it's a very important hat i feel it's looking at your gut instinct that sometimes some situations you know can be more important than some of the other hats all right big you know it's a so when we when when we then talk about uh, blue hat, one of the most in, in, important perspectives is 
what's the process that I'm going to use within this meeting that we're collectively going to use? What is the problem or what is the, our objective for being here? Which is often missed. A lot of meetings happen and there's no objective. Or the objective is so loose, raised as a subject rather than, a, the, than an objective. This is what the blue heart addresses. I'm speaking from the blue heart. I don't seem to see there's an objective. I'm speaking from the blue heart. This is the objective. These are the four steps that we need, need to go through. Then one of the things we start to see is white hat, which is about data. White hat is about evidence. So if somebody speaks from the red hat and says, well, I think it's this, somebody can speak from the white hat and say, okay, uh, I hear what you're saying, so acknowledging what, what they're saying, but where is the evidence for this? I know it's a good feeling, so, but, but can we translate that into some experience? Is there data that we could go and find or is there data that exists? Uh, is there questionnaires that we could create that could go and back up your gut, your gut feeling? All right. When we then move to uh, yellow heart, sometimes people say this is the sunshine heart, this is the positive heart. Um, um, uh, I'm more thinking that yellow heart says, what's the value of what we're doing? Okay. What is the business benefit? Sometimes it is trying to get people just to be positive. Right, you know, what's the yeah. positive active uh, uh, activity here? But really, if we want to put this in a business context, it has to be around what's the value and the benefits uh, of what? what's so the return it's about, it's about understanding tangible positive outcomes and results. Absolutely, is that it? yeah. Okay. You can you could then say you know this is um, uh, this is yellow hat, and you could have white hat come in and say okay, which is what you. Where's the evidence? How or how can we okay. find the evidence to support this the, 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 this value proposition? So you're beginning to see that he, each hat can be used juxtaposition wise, you know, to bounce off each other. That, yeah. that that's a skill in itself, because the opposite of the of the yellow hat, which is what is logically positive, is the black hat, which represents you know. Uh, typically the sentencing of death within a within a, a court system so you put the the, the black hat on is the logic you know well this is the predominant hat that's used without logic in business meetings to kill most ideas this is the most common perspective that uh, team members and players and participants will use so it happens most of the time when you need, when you hear a yes but so, you're absolutely right the absolute bang on, yeah. What do I call it? The French butt. Ah, it's really good, Toby. But, well, but it's not just yeah. French. It's it's used across all cultures. But the yeah. the black hat is both one of the most um, um, overused in in outside of the sixth thinking hat context, but is one of the most important hats. Why? Because it's about risk assessment. It's not about being negative you know, which is what some people say that. It's about being logically uh, uh, and analytically critical. It helps you gauge what you want to do. You're knowingly going to take a risk. 
well, within what degree do you need to take this risk? And it's understanding the risks, you know, risks of not doing it, risks yeah. of doing it, risks of avoiding it, you know, these, the, the, these are, um, and you're looking at implicit and you're looking at explicit effects within yeah. this hub. Then when we talk about um, uh, Green Hat, right? Green one, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I've done the six. So the, the Green Hat yeah. here, most people think, oh, it's about innovation. I have no idea what innovation means within that context. What innovation means within this context is can you create alternatives? And when you say can you create alternatives, it just takes all this emotional worry about that I'm not creative, I'm not innovative. And you say, well, you know, uh, Toby, can you give me three alternatives to this? And yeah, you go bish, bish, bosh. You know, that's easy. Yeah. Can you be innovative? Uh, my school teacher told me I wasn't innovative. You know, yeah. You have this yeah. deep past starts it, to hold you back. In a sense, I guess one way to, you know, sort of, sort of an image would be to, like looking for new paths, right? You're lost somewhere. It's like, okay, let's find three different paths and see which one leads us to our destination, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It, it, to a certain extent, what you're talking about is, you know, if we talk about jazz, you're riffing this. <laughs> if you're, you know, uh, you're making a recipe, Right, but you don't necessarily follow the recipe. You see where the rest the recipe goes. If you're talking about actually making paths, it might be sometimes that you're cutting a path through the jungle nobody's been through. Right, yeah. uh, that and you're taking all the tools to go with you, you, to go with and do that. You know, um, so you can train this within the context of the sunk simulation. Why? Because the sunk simulation means that you're coming in and working in a project of which is totally unknown to you. You know, all you can be reliant upon are your skills, techniques and tools of working as a team. And you either have them or you don't have them or they're working in, in progress. You know, I think also one point to note is that the, the, the way Sunk is designed, it it's it's you know there's a certain level of difficulty and complexity and, and and to a certain extent you might get lost at the start not really understanding what to do and typically this creates very 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 high emotional states which is a really really good test for you know your ability to deal with your ego it, it really it confronts you with it you don't have a choice so the six thinking hats becomes a tool to sort of force you to navigate that as a team it, it's it the way it can be used in the game is almost like an ideal training scenario to then later be able to sort of get used to the method, get used to the concept, and then apply it to, you know, business situations outside of the game. I think you, I think one of the things just to finish in, finish a, a podcast off, Eric, is that what you're talking about is business transferability of skills. And the <laughs> one thing that we've seen with our clients is it's, it's almost immediate. Because the because the nature of working within a simulation is so tangible and so heartfelt, and you, your learning is you know is here, not here. You know, uh, um, I think we, we were on a presentation this morning where uh, one of the top people said, "Yeah, look, I'm so fed up with doing powerpoints and sitting in role plays. Here, it's immediate, and I can go out and use it." Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's so, that notion of actually doing something 
that always feels better and has a better lasting impact, right? Yeah, I think you're right. And on that note, um, I want to say thank you, Eric. Thank you. And um, hey guys, if you if you like what we've done, we'd be really grateful if you uh, press like. You know, you press the, yeah. the, the the like button for us, and and if you would like to get more content, uh, please subscribe, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah.